How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Emerald City Hockey's post-game live, playoff post-game live, presented by Queen Anne Beer Hall. I hear it was another good evening over at Queen Anne Beer Hall, despite the fact that the game didn't go as well this time. It was. I mean, the atmosphere was electric. It's it's just always an experience going to Queen Anne Beer Hall. If, if you've been once for a game day, you know you know exactly what it's like. And I can't believe I haven't lost my voice yet. So there's that. There we go. It's a good thing because uh, there's a lot to talk about with this one. Obviously, the Kraken have now lost their first ever playoff game. So we've we've done that, everybody. Um, we're, we're there. Uh, but I mean, this was another it was another good game for the Kraken. I mean, you jump out to the two nothing lead. You outplay them solidly in the first. And the bottom line is the Avalanche woke up. We saw them make some adjustments for that second period. The Kraken struggled against Kraken did a better job in the third period. But, I mean, this was an Avs team that, you know, their star players kind of started to look more like star players. Exactly. They woke up. And I think there are some positives to take away from this. They woke up and, and yeah, they beat you, but they didn't bury you. I mean, they, yeah. you know, it wasn't that lopsided of a game. And I think, if anything, this just confirms the Kraken can hang with the Avalanche. And we're in for uh, an interesting and a long series. But, yes, it is the Kraken's first playoff loss ever. Uh, we all knew this moment would come uh, when the Kraken qualified for the playoffs. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's an opportunity here. We've processed a lot of losses over the last couple seasons, especially year one. Um, but now we have the chance to kind of process this first playoff loss together because it, it does, I don't know, there, there does seem to be more of a gravity to it. You feel this one more than the average loss. Yeah, you do. And it's our first, you know, playoff therapy session or whatever. But the bottom line is, I still feel like these first two games, I mean, you picked up that 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 win in game one. That was huge. You're getting to come back to CPA in Seattle on Saturday with a tied series. I feel like that's a big, you know, win for the crack and in all of this. Um, and even in this game, it was tied until very late. And you know what? It was just a bad luck rebound bounce out right to right to Taves and that's what gets it done for the avalanche so I still feel like there's still a, so many positive takeaways for the crack and yeah there's some stuff and we'll break it down and get to it all in a little bit here um, but I, I still I'm still feeling really good about how everything has gone so far with the with the team being in Colorado and and that's still fantastic oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, starting off too. with yeah, starting off with some super chats here. First one from CR Bud. Gru played his behind off. I don't care what anyone says. I knew Ebbs not chipping in that uh, in that three on zero at the end, uh, three on one at the end of the second was going to bite us. Uh, so first off, I mean Gru, another phenomenal game from Grubauer, having to face forty one shots from the Avalanche yeah. in this one. He had to face a, a barrage of shots, certainly, and and some very high quality ones as well. But I mean, he was just what you'd expect against Colorado, how he's been against Colorado pretty much his whole career with Seattle. And, and again, this is why I was more confident about the series. The Kraken are getting some real goaltending. They're getting some good goaltending uh, and it, it'll keep you in games. And it certainly yeah. did in this one, even though the abs, uh, the, the pushes that they can put on, it, it's crazy what they can do. But Grubauer was solid. Yeah. Grubauer was fantastic. Look, I will take a 927 save percentage every day. I, that's, you know, because you know what? Mo more games than not, that's going to be enough to get it done for you. Grubauer did a great job keeping the team in this game. Um, yeah, and then with, with Ebbs and that, oh my gosh, RJ, that three-on-one. That was a little tough to watch. It, it took me back to some some rough, cracked memories there. Uh, it's just, you know, take somebody has to take that shot sooner and know that you you've got them outnumbered for the rebound. Like, that's just the way you have to play that. Yeah, you, you do. I mean, it, they, they overthought it a little bit. 
I understand the temptation to kind of maybe overthink it and try for the perfect play. I mean, but, but the thing is, too, with, with Georgiev, I mean, that's the kind of thing you might expect when you're playing against a goalie that's just lighting you up, that, that, that there's you can't get anything past. But Georgiev's been beatable. I mean, you can kind of score those second opportunity goals on him. You can't pass up those shots when you have the opportunity to do that. Yep, exactly. Uh, another super chat here from Sergeant Pickles was in Av's live chat there by Polar. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot for them to to go through these first two games, just like there is for us. Um, but yeah, I, I, the the freak out that they were all having after game one, uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what kind of energy they carry forward out of this one. Because again, they pick up the win, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't a clean win. Like they had to really work to dig themselves out of the hole at the crack and put them in. So um, I, I like to think that they're still going to remain maybe cautiously optimistic after they've seen what we've been able to do. Yeah, I think so. I mean, any, any time you come out in game one, you're like, Oh, well they could, you know, they could do it once, you know, they could, they could stand up to us once. It wasn't our best game, but when you see two games in a row, teams that look fairly evenly matched, I think at that point you kind of have to accept that, okay, this is what the series is going to be. Yeah, it's going to be one where, you know, it, it might come down to a bounce late in the game, like this one kind of did. Uh, right before I, grab, I, I jump into chat, RJ, there's one question that I have for you about okay. this game. Is it because the Kraken lost the physical battle this time, RJ, that they lost the game? Putting on an old school hockey hat for this, but is it because they allowed the Avalanche to accumulate 50 hits to the Kraken, still very respectable 40. When was the last time you saw 90 hits recorded in a hockey game, Archie? Well, I mean, that's what happens in the playoffs. I mean, you, you have uh, hit totals that you just don't see in the regular season, and I think both teams were determined to finish their checks tonight. Uh, and, yeah, 50 to 40, I don't think they, they lost the, the hit battle that severely. I think both teams came out wanting to get that physical edge. And, and when one team did something, the other team responded. I think the Kraken absolutely stood up for themselves there. I, I think, you know, they were kind of equals in, in those scrums after the whistles. I mean, um, you, we can kind of break down specific moments, but um, the abs came out and they, in the second period, I think it was, you know, tried yep. to get in Maddie Benier's grill a little bit, tried to rough yep. up the rookie. Vince Dunn, clear message set, goes right in, lets Josh Manson know they're not going to put up with that. So I, I think the Kraken absolutely stood up to the abs. I, I don't wouldn't say they lost the physical battle at all. No, I wouldn't either. And you could argue that the abs, you know, they were they were trying to compensate for what they didn't do in the first period because the abs definitely lost the physical battle in the first period. Think back to the to the turbo shorthanded goal and how Yanni Gord was able just to keep going through that whole play. What incredible work from Yanni Gord on that whole sequence to get the puck in deep, to go deep after it, to then win the puck battle for it, to then, even once it squirts out, get enough of the stick on there to tap it over to Turbo. And that was all because the Avs, nobody decided to play him physical. Nobody decided to take him out of the play and say enough is enough. Uh, and so I think they did learn from their mistakes a little bit there. Uh, but the bottom line is the Kraken just so many guys on this Kraken team. You mentioned Matty Beniers, talked about Yanni Gord, Turbo, all these guys. They have such incredible motors that it does put whatever team they're going to be playing in a playoff series into this spot where you kind of got to take yourself out of a play to slow them down. Because if you don't, they're just going to get you. And I think that that's what we saw really through the first four periods of this playoff series was, was exactly that. Uh, starting things off here in we got, chat. We had a super chat oh. here. Sorry, before we get yeah, to that from course. Schultz here. Colorado, the Kraken's first real rivalry, asking there. Um, I don't think we're there yet. 
But I think certainly this series has the potential to get there. The series, mm-hmm. again, it's been a good back and forth. It's been close. It hasn't gotten nasty yet in that in my mind. Yes. If you look at some of the other playoff series, uh, you know, Minnesota, Dallas, for one, it, you look at that, this is on a different level. Like this series hasn't really gotten violent yet. It very well might get there. Certainly if it's as close as it has been over the first two games, it'll probably ratchet up to that. But I, I don't think we're there quite yet. No, I would I would agree with that. I think there's elements to have a rivalry here just because you've got like, you know, you've got obviously Grubauer. If Burakovsky was in this, you'd think that might add an extra wrinkle given that he was there and won the cup with them last season. That would certainly add to it. Yeah, I don't know that I would say that they're rivaled yet. It, again, if you see something, like you said, later on in the series that could kind of push it over that edge. Uh, that being said, I don't know that either of these teams, unless they're really desperate, are really going to go there. I think both of these teams want to kind of win clean. They just want to win by outscoring the opponent. They want to win with skill. And um, based on some of these other series that we've seen, I'm very thankful for that because it means we're not having to watch any Kraken players get too banged up out there. Yeah, it's it's great. You you do not want to get in a series with a team that's just going to go out and and kind of try and rough you up and beat you up. Thankfully, that's neither of these teams' games. Love to see it in a playoff series. It can it's rare. Yeah, but again, if this goes seven games and it comes down to the wire, there's an overtime game or two along the way. That is, you know, you're getting into rivalry territory. All bets are off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Patrick kicking us off with just darn. And I think that's a pretty appropriate response to this game. I mean, there was the really high highs of that first period. Second period was pretty brutal. And then that third period was just some great back and forth hockey, back and forth playoff hockey with everything on the line where you just knew the next goal is probably the game. And you know what? That was a lot of fun. And unfortunately, we came off on the wrong side of it. And so I think a darn is pretty, pretty appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> actually, in, in a word, I think I think you got it. Uh, also, great watching the game at, at the Beer Hall with you, Patrick. Uh, thanks for, for joining us there. Definitely, definitely. Uh, looks like we got some super chats here. Scrolling down. First one from Light. Even with the loss, the team played out of their minds. Avs got some hard-to-defend ones in. Also, I'd like to argue uh, we have the best third line in the NHL. I, I think you'd win that argument, Light. I show me the better third line than this Yanni Gord line, which again, got it done tonight, RJ in a big way. I felt like the avalanche, one of those, one of those adjustments they made after the first period in this one, second period, take away that line, do whatever you have to, to stop that line. Uh, And when, when the other team has to completely game plan for your third line, you're in a great spot. Yeah, the Kraken's depth is incredible. Can I can I just gush about Yanni Gord some more? Yes, I mean, th- this Yanni Gord has been the Kraken's best player in the series, in my opinion. He's been their MVP. The motor on him is ridiculous. Setting up that TANF goal, going in one on three, uh, handling the matchup with the McKinnon line like he has. Um, he's just done so much. We are seeing true playoff Yanni Gord, and you see it in the little things too. You know, he's in the middle of every scrum kind of net front. He's doing his thing there, um, and he is just being an absolute pain to play against i I, i'm loving loving watching yanni gord in these games can't wait to see him uh, back here in seattle when kraken have last change and hackstall can kind of deploy that weapon against whichever abs line that he wants to not just shut down but have some real offensive zone time possession and chances when they're against them yeah for sure and i feel like we're going to talk about that a little bit uh given this next super chat that i'm going to read here from aaron uh good Awesome start, PK looking good, and Grubauer. So just for them, yes, 
The start was fantastic. Again, loving that the Kraken are coming up prepared to play. Again, last two seasons, that's been an issue for them. Love that come playoff time now, that hasn't been an issue. PK, again, fantastic against this rough, you know, it's a very talented Avalanche squad. So love to see that. And Grubauer, we talked about bad. Power play is abysmal. And that Matty Beneers line is on a milk carton right now. So we'll get to the power play in a second. But because you had just talked about matchups and stuff, I felt like in this one, Avalanche again matched the Nathan McKinnon line against the Matty Beneers line. And you know what? Nathan McKinnon was not going to let the 20-year-old kid punk him two games in a row. And this game, it was not even close. That that Nathan McKinnon line just kind of ate them up. And as Aaron said, they weren't really able to get anything going that top line. No, they they really weren't. And um, yeah, it, that, that line too, I, I worried about them. I know they were really hot going into the playoffs, but you still do have some inexperience from your center there. Maddie's had his highs and lows this season. And I mean, how much can you expect of a 20-year-old rookie? You need to remember, he's still that. Um, yeah. and, and I think, you know, they got roughed up. I mean, Jared McCann, I think, got roughed up a little bit in this game, took a couple... Yeah you know, hits to, to the head. And, and I think that maybe threw him off his game a little bit. Don't blame him. Obviously, you know, you get knocked in the chin a couple times, you might not be the same. Um, but yeah, the, the abs got the better of that line tonight. I mean, we'll see if they feel more comfortable coming back home. And that's one where if I'm Dave Haxtall, I'm looking to see, okay, what, what other line with Colorado can we kind of try and match them up against? Can we get them some easier shifts against maybe some bottom six forwards for Colorado? Yeah, I would definitely try to do that. Cause I think you got to get Maddie going. Because the bottom line is center, especially in these playoff series, RJ, you and I both know that that becomes a really, really important position. And Matty Beneers right now, he doesn't look like Matty Beneers. I'm not seeing the same player that we saw in the regular season. Uh, I don't know if they've told him to act a little bit more shy, but it sure seems like he's a little bit more shy when it comes to playing behind, you know, behind the net, going back below the goal line, going into the corners. I'm not seeing that kind of same motor and high intensity that we saw where he'd just fly in there, reckless abandoned. I'm going to win this puck battle, no matter what kind of thing. We're not really seeing that from him right now. And I feel like that's kind of permeated then out through the rest of that line. Cause the other two are having to pick up slack there, which then takes away their ability, like Eberle's ability to dish it over to, say, McCann, who can then finish. So I'm, I'm thinking that they need to kind of get back to what they have been do what they were doing when they were hot entering the playoffs. And a lot of that, unfortunately, falls on Maddie's shoulders, his young shoulders. Uh, as for the power play, I mean, we've known it's bad all year long. Uh, so it's it's kind of, you know, same old, same old. But the bottom line is this is what we knew, where – it cost you games in the regular season. It was definitely going to cost you games in the postseason. And tonight might be a good example of that where, I mean, I was in the discord and we were joking around and I put in the, the over under for shots on goal for a power play at 0.5 and more people took the under. And you know what, without two, without a rebound shot towards the end there, it I, that would have been right. <laughs> and I, that's just a problem that the Kraken, I know we've talked about it so many times, but they got to figure it out. Yeah, it's it's going to take some some new wrinkles there. I, I the thing is, the Colorado just puts so much pressure on the puck carrier when the Kraken are on the power yeah. play, and they need that first outlet pass where they know exactly where they're going to relieve that pressure. I thought the Kraken did a great job of that at even strength in this game, especially early yes. on. The Abs wanted to come in hard on the forecheck, pressure the puck carrier, and and just go all out doing that. And I mean, that's how uh, the Schwartz goal. I mean, sorry, the Schultz goal happened is that um, the Avs came in just like gangbusters on the forecheck and 
Bjork Strand just knows exactly where he can rim the puck around the boards. Gord knows it's coming to him. He knows he's going to have a guy right on him, spins away from it off the boards, and then all of a sudden it sets up the two-on-one. You need uh, that communication where you know you have that first outlet pass to relieve that pressure, but just on the power play. And it's the kind of thing you can work on in practice. They won't have a practice to work on it. Uh, they're not practicing tomorrow, but they'll have a morning skate. And I'd like to see them uh, on Saturday morning just get a little bit of power play work in where you know where that first pass is going once you gain yeah. solid possession in the zone. Definitely, definitely. Uh, it's just, it's one of those things. I don't know if they need, yeah, the better communication I think will certainly help. Maybe a little bit more player movement. We did see on, I think it was the second power play, the first half of that, the first power play unit. We did see something a little interesting where really all three guys went down low and they were all around the around the goal. They were all in the blue paint there. It was just Kraken could never find an, a shooting lane to kind of get it in there to take advantage of that man advantage down there. Um, but the bottom line is, they just don't play like they have an extra player on the ice. And I feel like that's kind of something you got to take advantage of on the power play. It's like, it can be that simple. That's kind of the whole point. Yeah, believe it or not. Uh, another super chat here from Light. I think even with the W, the Avs are not walking away from this very excited. They know that these next two are going to be even harder. I agree with that. And we saw that when they were booed off the ice at the end of the first period. You could see it on their faces as they were walking to the locker room. You know Jared Bednar went in there and just like eviscerated those guys verbally. Um I think, uh, yeah, if, if if I'm them, you feel good that you got one at home. Uh, but the bottom line is you're also like, okay, what did we do well? What were the lessons we can take away from all this? And how do we start the next game? Because that's something they've struggled with two games in a row now. Yeah, two slow starts. And man, when you're getting booed off the ice by by your home fans. Uh, you know, Game two, two they're doing that. Game two after winning a Stanley Cup, uh, that's going to light a fire under you. And, and it sure yeah. did for Colorado, and it should for any team. Um, but yeah, the, the slow starts are, are definitely an issue for them. The Kraken mm -hmm. have to know you're going to get more of a push from Colorado to start game three than you did games one or two and, and be ready for that. Yeah, definitely. Sergeant Pickles bringing the dad energy here. Not mad, just disappointed. Uh, love it. Uh, Schultz back to CPA 1-1. Good result for the Kraken, definitely. I mean, you know, if you had asked us, any of us, before this had started, would we take that? We'd all say yes. Um, Tom, we looked gassed out there by the end of that one. Oh, well, head home, rest up, let's take game three. Kraken did look a little tired for the third one. Do you think that was altitude, or do you just think, you know, the avalanche were just flying out there? I think the abs were flying out there. I mean, hey, they, they woke up and they're a tiring team to play against when they're on their game. And I, I think the crack had got the best, um, you know, got the best effort from the abs and that's going to tire you out whether you're at altitude or not. Um, I, I don't think that was a, a huge factor. Yeah. Uh, Sergeant Pickles with the studs. We can hang with this team duds. If they go full speed, we cannot hang. <laughs> This is this is what I was worried about. We we you and I had a lot of back and forth both on podcasts yep. and post game lives and just behind the scenes. Everybody, this is just something we've really talked about for a good solid two weeks. Uh, and this is the bottom line: is that the Kraken do match up really well against the Abs. They don't have the depth to deal with the Kraken. All that stuff that we saw from the Kraken the first four periods of this of this stuff speaks totally to what you were saying completely. Um, those last two periods, especially the second period tonight, is what I was worried about, which is when guys like Nathan McKinnon just decide they want to win a hockey game, it's really hard to stop them from winning a hockey game. <laughs> and, and it's just one that the Kraken are going to need individuals on a nightly basis to kind of step up, play a 
you know a little above their their level maybe and and figure out a way of doing that and tonight they weren't quite able to get it done that being said they looked better than i thought they would when that situation did arise yeah they, i mean they they responded pretty well to it i thought at some point in this series you're going to see the abs just turn it on and they were going to leave the Kraken in the dust for the rest of that game. And it would kind of take yeah. the crack in the next game to adjust, but you know, they hung in there. Thankfully they had a two nothing lead, uh, that cushion yep. they could fall back on with those two quick goals. I mean, that's, that's why it's important to capitalize on those early chances yep. before the abs wake up. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they, they did well to get it to the third and where it was really just a close third period where a, a bounce really made the difference. Yeah, and and that just happens sometimes in hockey, especially in playoff hockey, and it's rough and it's but and it's brutal. But you just you move on to the next one, knowing maybe next time that bounce goes your way. Um, yep. Kind of some some similar things here. Wish we wouldn't have taken our foot off the gas for about four minutes in the second there from Daniel Declan. I feel like they stopped shooting after the first period, just kept passing it around. I've seen some other uh, comments in chat about that, RJ. It's I mean it's. I don't know that they entirely did that. You still walk away with 29 shots. I just think it was it was a little hard for them to get any sort of counterattack going, especially in that second period. Yeah, the offense didn't come quite as easily uh, now that, that Colorado was actually playing their game. Uh, look, the three-on-one is going to stand out. That's going to be the moment we all kind of remember. And yes, there was too much passing it around and all of that. But I, I think the Kraken did, you know, put shots on net when they had opportunities to. It wasn't as bad as we've seen it at certain mm-hmm. games this year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm always in favor of throwing more pucks on net, especially with your given net. He still looks kind of shaky to me. Yes, he Something does. looks a little bit off still. And throw him low. I know the Kraken were going high yes. a ton tonight, and it worked on those first two goals. And Geeky beat him high for the post like two minutes in, too. But – Go low again on that three on one shoot low, get the rebound attack with the numbers there. Like on the power play, get, just get shots, just do it and and try to make something happen. You got an extra person. I still think that's key for this team. Sergeant pickle staying positive. Everyone losing a one goal game uh, back to uh, going back home. One, one against defending chance champs seasons a W no matter what. Definitely agree with that. Sergeant pickles. Love it. Bahrain. Um, God damn, when the abs turn it on, it's, it's scary. <laughs> Makar still doesn't look like Makar either, which is still no, he very good for us. at all. Which, I mean, hey, that's a good sign for the rest of the series. Clearly, whatever he's playing through, and he just can't quite be himself. Definitely. Krakenock, our boys came to play, then the second period arrived. Either way, I love playoff hockey. This was a really fun and enjoyable game, RJ, I will say. I will say it felt a little bit more like playoff hockey than game yeah. one, if anything, just because it, it got close at the end. And I don't know, game one, you never really got into the full danger zone. But mm-hmm. here, I mean, third period, everyone had to be at the end of their seats, just nervous about every little bounce. Yeah, but, you know, again, when when darn is kind of the word that sums it all up, it's not that well, bad. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm just the, when it was tied two two, the tension. That's what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, yeah, no, I love that. Like that's what that I was what I'm saying. Playoff it. tension. That's what it was. It's the best. That's why we love the playoffs. Uh, JMG with the super chat. Thank you very much. Only his second playoff game. All Maddie needs is more experience. The future is so bright for this team, and I agree with you, JMG. That is what Maddie needs, and and he is getting these reps. I think it's really important that Dave Haxtall is keeping him out there uh, as the first line center. He's getting almost 18 minutes. Uh, a night in this playoff game against the defending chance. He is 
going up against Nathan McKinnon and getting valuable reps there. We saw him do very well in that first game. McKinnon, you know, made adjustments, came out, attacked the rookie this time. Now Maddie gets to do the same for the next one. It's it's the circle of life. But yeah, I mean, he is going to learn so much here that he'll be able to implement next regular season to be better and certainly next year come playoff time. It feels like every playoffs is just kind of this whole season's worth of storylines condensed into a, a best of seven series. You feel yeah. the same highs and the lows like through a whole regular season. I think you're seeing that with Maddie Beneers, where you almost had that first game where he comes in absolutely fearless. It, like It's like the rookie season for a lot of players where they go in and just light up the leaks. They don't know what they can't do. And then mm -hmm. often players will have kind of that sophomore slump where where. The other teams kind of, they learn them a little bit. They get the book on them and it gets a little bit tougher. I think you almost saw that sophomore slump type of game in game two. Maybe yeah. I'm, I'm reading too much into this whole narrative, but like, <laughs> and then Maddie's got to try and find a way to, to bust through that. I think that's just kind of the process with rookies and he's just experiencing it game to game. Yep, exactly. Eli, I feel like this one's on me. I was in the building for both regular season wins and on Tuesday night, but didn't pull the trigger on tickets for tonight. I'll have to get tickets to game five. I mean, look, I, normally I would never want to put it on one person, all that kind of stuff, but this is playoff hockey, RJ. Superstitions reign supreme, so maybe. <laughs> yeah, you have to. I, I wore the same thing that I did uh, tonight, tonight that I did for game uh, one, so. Yep. Habak, all I feel is pain. Playoff losses are awful. A good takeaway is that we have an amazing goalie. I mean, Grubauer's playing out of his mind. I just can't talk about it enough. It's it's so much. Yeah. Um, Rianne, though, talking about this in the Super Chat. I love, hate playoff hockey. The game Saturday is going to be fire. We talked about it last time. CPA is going to be lit up, RJ. It's going to be so energetic. I, I'm so jealous you get to go to that one. I know. I, I am looking forward to it. I mean, after that game one win, you, you knew that as long as the Kraken didn't go back down to nothing, it was going to be an incredible atmosphere. Um, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. And and uh, here's a quote from Dave Haxtell after the game. I hope our fans are pumped up for it because we will be. High mm -hmm. series. We're heading home. We'll recoup and get back at it. Yeah. All right. There we go. And, you know, I, I think that's appropriate. I Like I said, there's not too much like really negative to, to walk away from this with other than, okay, you've seen what the abs can do now. Uh, you did mm -hmm. some adjustments on the fly for the third period. They worked. You made, you even things out for that final frame. Uh, and now you get to think about things like having last change, all that kind of stuff going home. I still think the Kraken are in a really good spot here. Winning game one, I think is even more important than winning game two. If you're going to split on the road for games one and two, I think that's where the Kraken jumping out to that quick lead in the series is going to really pay dividends for them. Uh, super chat here from Zane. Thank you very much. Uh, teams falter G2 in Denver. And I think the altitude was a real thing tonight. Last year, uh, game two, Tampa Bay lost seven, nothing and lost the zone entry battle 22 to three. That second playoff game in Denver. I often seem see teams run out of gas late interesting okay so we had talked about the altitude going into this series i think we talked about it earlier in the year striatic had done some some looking up to see if it had kind of you know made a difference in hockey it was a little inconclusive if i'm remembering correctly um i do think that it's interesting that game two would be more of an issue for guys than say game one where you're not used to the thinner air uh but game two you'd have a couple days to acclimate a little more uh but yeah that's very interesting 
I wonder if there's kind of a little delay maybe where your body is, is kind of okay for a bit. It hasn't really hit mm -hmm. yet. I mean, that would be consistent with the Kraken wanting to get into Colorado as late as possible. Remember yeah. we talked about that? Yeah. Um, I mean, it would be consistent with that. I don't know what the science is, but yeah, that, that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting point there for museum. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of looking at the abs four series last year with the playoffs, uh, Beat the Preds 7-2 in game one. Then 2-1, it was a close. It was an overtime game, game two. Um, the Blues, it was kind of the same thing. They won in overtime and then, and then lost. The Oilers, I mean, they shut them out in game two in Colorado. Um, so that was a big one after the Oilers gave them a, a run for their money in game one. Yeah. So interesting to look at. I wonder, I, maybe after the fact, the next season or whatever, the players might be more honest with you about that. I don't think mid-series they, they would kind of tell you. No, but uh, I do wonder. I also wonder if... It's the ice time was a little bit different in this one. Uh, it was a little heavier handed to sort certain people in this than than what we've experienced in the past, at least for the forward group for Seattle. And I do wonder if in the second game you start riding a you know certain guys a little bit more, and then the altitude starts affecting those guys specifically. I don't know, um, but yeah, that's a it's a really really interesting thing to note. And yeah, I mean, I've I've never been. Uh, I can't speak to any sort of altitude change on that level, certainly not as a professional athlete. I do think there's something to hockey players. If you keep your shifts shorter going to Denver, I think you're probably okay because the bottom line is hockey players, they're in better you know, shape than, say, a football player when it comes to being able to use all of their energy for a longer sustained period of time. Uh, I got to think that if you just shorten your shifts by 10, 15 seconds, try to try to keep them shorter, that helps you and you can kind of survive that altitude difference. But, uh, you know, that's I'm that's my uneducated opinion. Uh, Ty, Brandon Tanev loves abs fans. Best moment in Turbo Kraken history so far. RJ, the blown kiss heard around Seattle Kraken world. It was incredible. It was beautiful. It, it was amazing. I, I can't believe we got half hour into this without really talking about no. it and breaking it all down. But Brandon Tanev with the kiss to the fan, I, I was kind of freaking out at the beer hall when I saw that. I'm like, I need to clip this right now. I did it before the goal video. I'm like, I, I have to get this video out there. It was the best thing. Um, I, I know it has already ended up on uh, the, the hockey images that precede Unfortunate Events Twitter account. Um, so yeah, he's being chirped a little bit for it now. But that is classic Turbo. I, I love it. Yeah, I saw the first tweet. I don't know if there was a follow-up, but from Kate, did you see the, the tweet from Kate, RJ? Uh, no. That the Seattle Times had a photographer down there in that corner and said that the, the fans in that corner had been kind of harassing the Kraken all night long. Uh, and then that oh. happened. And then that, you know, so that might have been a response to that. And that Kate was going to try to check into all that. I don't know if, if she was able to, but uh, just throwing that out there. Well, I can check. Yeah, friend our photographer said fans were flipping Kraken players the bird, which might have earned this response. We'll report back. Interesting. All right. Well, definitely have to talk to Kate about that. Yeah. So I, I thought that was cool, in which case, definitely a good response from Brandon Tanev there. And you know what? Credit to the Avs fan, blew a kiss back. I like that. Yes, I saw the, the woman there. The, the video clip I got just cut it off, unfortunately. But yes, credit to her at least. And then uh, they, look, they look pretty entertained with that. Yeah. Um, JMG with another super chat. Thank you very much. Where was Sprong? Now, this is something I didn't, we didn't bring it up last game. I thought about it. I didn't want to bring it up during that post game because we were all feeling so good after that win. Daniel Sprong, we talk about disappearances since the postseason has started. Daniel Sprong, I think, is like number one 
where where are you at? Yeah, haven't really noticed them a whole lot. There was maybe one or two shifts this game where where he kind of jumped out of the page at me. But um, I mean, I know he's only playing eight minutes, but still, usually you see more from him in that time and and from the fourth line. Uh, I I just wonder what he's dealing with injury wise because I doubt he is 100% healthy. I, I think maybe mm-hmm. if these were regular season games, he might not even be playing. That's kind of the nature of the playoffs. Yeah. We don't know. We're not gonna know. Uh, but I do worry about that with him, and I, I wonder if he's not healthy enough. If it might be good to get somebody else in there. Yeah, uh, and it's it's tough to know if that's what's going on. I mean, the fourth line as a whole is playing all right. Uh, I thought Donato had a pretty strong game tonight. Couple hits, couple shots on goal. It's always good, uh, but I it does feel like the fourth line has kind of lacked a little something. And I can't help but wonder if that's just because Sprong isn't at a hundred percent himself. Cause he was a lot of that fourth line with geeky, not centering it. And um, yeah, it's, it's just an unfortunate situation. I, I do think this is where we're, we're missing a little bit of what Andre Burakovsky can bring, not just to his line, but what he's able to do down the lineup. We're all of a sudden you can effect. have, yeah, Morgan Geeky centering that fourth line, and Geeky's yep. been great. And that way you can have free up Ryan Donato to really go in and, and kind of get involved on that forecheck more. He can't do that right now when he's playing center. You have to kind of stay back. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that, uh, you know, if he was on wing, Geeky's the center, and, and you kind of have all three of those guys together with Tanev, it, it just looks like a much better fourth line. Definitely, definitely. Um, Coop, kind of wish that rebound Groovy tossed out wasn't so juicy. The rebound is a rough one. It was just a high velocity shot. You got to kick it out. I get what he's doing there. What was really unfortunate is if you watch that whole play develop, uh, Jamie Alexiak completely gets tied up off that face off. And Matty Beneers also gets tied up for a little bit of time off that face off. And so what ends up happening is will is, you know, Alexiak that's over on Alexiak's side. Uh, but he was never able to get back over there from the faceoff, not even get close. And Maddie, because he was tied up, he wasn't able to kind of cover the, ex- the the guy over there either uh, just because of it. So it was just one of those kind of like, yes, there was the rebound and that's not great. But really the play as a whole, if we look at it, a lot of it comes down to that faceoff and what the abs were able to do tying those two guys up. Yeah, and I think we should talk about now's probably a good time. Just talk about faceoffs and especially defensive zone faceoffs because a lot of the Avs goals, I think three of them in this series, uh, out of the Avs, I mean, yeah. what do they have? Only four goals in the series. So almost all of them have come off of uh, offensive zone faceoffs for Colorado, where they've been able to kind of set up plays directly off of them. And I think it's it's got to be an area of emphasis for the Kraken. I know face-offs been a problem all season. There's not much you can do at this point, but at least there's certain ways, you know, that once you lose the face-off, as, as far as making sure you have guys going to the right places, that's something I'd like to see an emphasis on probably in a video meeting, uh, you know, that they'll, they'll maybe work on in the off day. But you know that's an area of danger. If you can yeah. just prevent those D-zone draws from, from hurting you, I mean, you've only allowed one goal all series. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I, we've talked about face-offs a ton this year, probably more than I think any of us ever thought we would have. Uh, talked about the importance. Kraken actually through these first two games, not too bad. 45% tonight for the Kraken. That's pretty good. Matty Beneers, 46%. Considering he was going up against Nathan McKinnon a ton, that's a really good job that he did. Um, but it was noticeable tonight. Like you said, like there was a couple that were just like, they were brutal or, or late when the Kraken are, are have, you know, they have the one goal deficit. You're trailing for the first time in this series. You need to get something going and you're losing an offensive zone draw. And it's just like, Oh, 
Like it would be really nice if we could step up and, and grab that one there. Uh, so yeah, it's something the Kraken are going to have to figure out. But again, if you get Maddie away from Nathan McKinnon, you're able to get maybe Yanni Gord going up against him, something like that. You could maybe start seeing the whole face-off thing fix itself just based off being able to have that last change coming back to Seattle. Right. Uh, Light with another super chat. One last super chat because I love you all. I love you too, Light. Uh, I think of all the teams that benefit from a split series, which is six of the eight of, of all of them, uh, we benefit the most. And I certainly understand where you're coming from, Light. I mean, it's a big, big deal for the crack in their team that can handle this. And you know what? To be honest, the fact is they're a good road team. So I feel like, yeah, if you can kind of split things back at CPA, I trust the crack in a kind of win that best of three series on the road yeah and you look at all the teams in tied series i think yeah the ones that maybe could least afford to go down uh to nothing the kraken might be on there given how how good this avalanche yeah. team is um it, the split is huge for them uh and yeah I, I think that's huge coming back and also just from from a bigger picture perspective of where the franchise is at as well you need excitement and energy coming home for these first playoff games in franchise history and something to build off of for next year and beyond. And I think the Kraken have done what they needed to do to accomplish that already. And so now you kind of have this great springboard to, to accomplish something there when you come back home. And, and thanks again for all the super chats tonight, Light. Really yeah. appreciate that. Definitely. Uh, XKidZ, tough loss. Uh, at least we got the split so far, and that Gord to Tanev shorthanded goal was awesome. First playoff loss was also a franchise record. I mean, it's true. <laughs> For the first time ever, we trailed in the playoffs. We, we did it. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know what? I, I want to point something out that I forgot about after last game. Um, the Crack were able to do something no team was last season. The Avs never trailed in a series, all playoffs last year. And yeah. the Kraken made them trail in a series. Yeah. And so that's something no team did against them uh, in last year's playoffs. Definitely. Greg, I'm not here for negativity. Colorado had to go a million to win this game. They can't go down 0-2. I was proud of the boys for hanging in against that onslaught. They played great, in my opinion. Right there with you, Greg. They really, really did. Um, Lindsay, if we could just cut out uh, 48 seconds from this hockey game, that would have been nice. <laughs> it would have helped maybe a little bit. Um Let's see, Dexter, so tough to watch this team just have no way to get the puck in the offensive zone in the third when they had to score. I mean, you talked about it earlier, kind of that same issue from the power play bleeding over uh, late in the game. It's it's certainly something that they got to do. And you know what? I've been trying to watch as we've been watching all these other series, whether it's tonight or yesterday, all that kind of stuff, the different ways that teams enter the zone, especially on the power plays, RJ. It's fascinating. Every team has a different philosophy. I haven't seen any two teams that do it kind of similar. Um, but I do think that that's something that it's unfortunately it's one of those things that you set up during your offseason program. I don't know, certainly come playoff time that you can kind of change it. Exactly. It's too late. You, you need lots and lots of reps with that stuff. It gets very dangerous if you try something new and it doesn't work out. So, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, James, second period. Look, wow, good for the launch. Uh, but we bounced back in the third to make it competitive again. And I think that that is absolutely huge. Again, we're seeing Dave Haxtall make adjustments. He's got the team ready to play to start the, both games. I think that's a big thing. That was something in the back of my mind that I had concerns about entering the playoffs. Uh, but those concerns are gone. And the fact of the matter is, in both games, I thought that the Kraken have done a good job making adjustments during almost all the intermissions. I'd argue just that first intermission tonight was the only one where Dave Haxtall got out coached by Jared Bednar. Uh, but the bottom and line is, oh, go for it. 
In Bednar's side of it too, it's maybe a little bit easier to do when you've got the fans booing your team off the yeah. ice in that corner to kind of get that extra jump start exactly. for the guys. Hackstall didn't really have that working for him. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the classic like halftime football situation, right? If you're the team that's up, it's hard to make adjustments because you're winning. What are you going to do? You got to try to anticipate what they're going to do. It's a rough situation. Uh, so I think that the fact that they went into that third period tied, uh, I thought the Kraken made the better adjustments just to kind of come back from that and everything. And so uh, it still gives me hope. It gives me hope for the line changes and everything when we come back to CPA. I think I think Dave Haxtell is coaching a really, really good series so far. Um, let's see. Uh, Ty, Avs adjust first intermission, no answer. Second missed opportunities. Um, uh, and then face-offs matter. Three or four Avs goals off face-offs. So there you go, uh, as we talked yep. about a little bit earlier there. Uh, sport more talk about the, the 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 power play i mean i just don't know any way of fixing it we've got we've exhausted all the ideas of fixing the power play at this point it's just <laughs> we've it's tried not gonna this happen season. it's the next season thing yeah uh it's it's rough that's why i did like you know there was a part of me also when the abs were really booing and and the refs you suck when the abs were taking a penalty i was like all right well that tells you they haven't actually paid attention to the kraken at all uh because you wouldn't They'll be learn. doing that you wouldn't They'll be doing They'll cheer when they take a penalty by the end of the series. Yeah, and Nicole echoing the sentiments. When are they going to reshape the power play like they did the PK in January? <laughs> hey, maybe they will. Maybe they will. Um, Sean, RJ and Dylan, what did you see tonight regarding the Avs lineup changes and matchups against the Kraken lines? I didn't notice too many changes as far as like the 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 matchups that they were doing a lot of the adjustments that they made intermission to intermission were more how to attack the the kraken through the neutral zone be more aggressive with the transition i mean there were some there were some times in this one rj where where the uh the avalanche they were reminding me a little bit of those games against vegas and just their ability to really shut things down hold their blue line really easily and then just turn it around on you and get up ice um i felt like that was more so what the avalanche were really focused on than maybe anything personnel wise uh, yeah I, I would agree with that i think it's just general kind of systems things that they were focused on although personnel wise i will point to the one big change they made in their lines that i do think helped is they moved miko rontanen down to the second mm -hmm. line uh, to the jt confer line kind of to shore up that line they were outscored two nothing in game one uh they were they were even you know no goals for no goals against and a very low event line uh, i think only yeah. 0.1 expected goals against in this game and in almost nine minutes of ice time at five on five so they shored that up they got that to even and then you had um what was it so it was mckinnon was it who was playing with mckinnon and ronson on the first line game one do you remember dylan uh it, it, was, was, rodriguez? it was rodriguez yeah right so you moved arturi lekkinen up to the first mm -hmm. line and i i love that move for colorado that's i think dylan i don't remember if we were recording something or not but that's what i told you that i would do in between mm -hmm. games is move arturi lekkinen up with mckinnon i think that worked really well in the playoffs last year uh that hard four checker in lekkinen is just difficult for uh, defensemen to deal with when you've also got Nathan McKinnon on the ice. And mm -hmm. I think that paid huge dividends. I mean, you look at that line, two goals for no goals against. I mean, they, they were all over the crack and um, through most of this game, 82% expected goals percentage. I do think that made a big difference uh, putting Lekkonen up there with McKinnon. It does. And Lekkonen is a lot like Gabriel Landeskog. 
and and you could tell that they were missing him and having that energy in the lineup and so you get him back i also think part of it is just you know he was coming back from injury and he got the one game at the end of the regular season got that first playoff game i still think he's coming back and getting stronger um all that stuff works it, yeah i mean we'll see i in some ways i like the, i like that change because it meant that ronson wasn't very effective offensively i barely noticed him in the offensive zone for the avalanche so it's a real trade off for them uh, having to make that change and it's also tough too just because they ride their top six so hard the sabs team the amount of ice time that they have compared to the rest of their squad is so it's just so imbalanced i'm still waiting to see if that comes back to bite them over the course of the series um let's see uh one and one out of that barn is huge honestly find an answer for their adjustment and keep the foot on the gas this is playoff hockey to a t from ty definitely uh, I, I mean, there's just there's a lot of positives still to take away. I mean, we haven't really been that bummed out or sad from this one at all tonight. And I think that no. speaks volumes. Um, Coop, all these talking heads on TV calling this a happy to be there series can eat my shorts. <laughs> Love it. Hey, I, I will say it sounded like everybody gave a lot more respect to the Kraken, you know, for this broadcast than the last one. Yeah, it, it took that game one to do it, I think. And I think uh, while while our us feeling, you know, those those of us who are not playing the game, you know, the fans, us watching yeah. this thing, I think a lot of, we kind of are hap- just happy to be here, honestly. I think we've kind of set the expectations there, but I know that's not the feeling among the players and the coaches in the locker room. They, they want to come out and show what they can do. Yeah. Uh, also from Coop, that hit on Dunn was a car crash. Can't believe how he was just totally unfazed. It was a big hit. It was definitely a big hit. Yep. I'm amazed watching all these playoff games and series, RJ. I mean, the the way these guys get hit, and you know how fast they're skating out there, and they are essentially car crashes, right? Somebody comes in flying in at 25 miles an hour, and they hit you, especially if you're, say, going 10 or 15, going against them. It's like a 35-mile-an-hour car crash your body just went through. That's not fun, but they just get up and they keep playing because it's playoff hockey. Yep, it's a, it's a lot of contact. I mean, that one lifted him up in the air, too. Then you got to land from a few feet up in the air. I know that one got a big uh, gasp at the beer hall. Everyone's like, oh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it's that's playoff hockey. That's what happens. Yeah, definitely. Sergeant Pickles, all these other series had blowouts. 1-1 one, one close games, not too bad. Especially because, I mean, we kind of had our version of a blowout in game one. So, yeah, the fact that they came back and they didn't bury us, say, the way a Toronto did to Tampa uh, or even like a Florida to Boston, I do think that that's a big deal. Yeah, definitely. I, that That's what you had to avoid was just giving the abs the feeling of, okay, yeah, we can we can run over this team. I think the Kraken have a lot of reason to be confident still. Yeah, definitely. Yanni Gordon, Brandon Tanev are extra special in the playoffs. Two of the most tenacious forwards in the NHL. I mean, you've been talking about him a ton. Talked about the fact that Brandon Tanev, every playoff series, he comes in and scores a big goal. Did that again tonight. Uh, he's he's a real special player. And, you know, you had highlighted during that deep dive preview about him bringing that physical element for this team. And five hits tonight for Brandon Tanev. Yanni Gord not too far behind with four. Yeah, Tanev absolutely brought it. I, I love him, just the, the playoff gamesmanship it, that, that just approaches in the playoffs. Like whenever he's playing playoff hockey, he knows exactly what to do. He's a very smart player. My favorite was when he just jumped on that pile of players. There's a scrum after the whistle, and he's looking, okay, who's out there? He sees Kale McCarr, and he leaps on top of the pile, and he pulls mm-hmm. Kale McCarr out of there and goads him into taking matching penalties. 
Yeah. That's amazing. You it can pull great. the best defenseman in the in the world off the ice with you. Uh, that's that's playoff hockey. That's playoff turbo. Give me more of that. Definitely. Uh, Nathan asking, is losing faceoffs a mental thing? I find it hard to believe teams are this much better at faceoffs than we are. Um, there's a mental component to it for sure. There's all sorts of weird tools of the trade I'm not that familiar with. Maybe you can speak more to it, RJ. But I will say that part of it comes down to if you, you know, you don't always have the thing. Geeky was arguably our best faceoff man. He's now playing on a wing. So, you know, you're losing that that trade-off there. And the fact that, you know, your top line, one of the lines that you know gets a lot of playing time, has a 20-year-old rookie on it. Uh, you're not expecting him to win faceoffs all that much. So that does help contribute to the team being sub 50% most of the time. And age is a factor. And that's something that even Dave Haxall has brought up. He said there, there's kind of a, a veteran advantage to faceoffs in this mm -hmm. league. And that's something to know going in. And so when you have your top line center is, is 20 years old, uh, he's kind of going to be at a disadvantage when, when he's going against, you know, Nathan McKinnon or, or uh, even a JT comp for someone who's been around in this league a long time. So That'll improve as Maddie gets older. One day he'll be the veteran against some younger players and, and yep. maybe kind of eat them up in the face off dot. Uh, but not right, not yet. Again, this was our like, wow, we made it year. Well, this wasn't the year yep. we're supposed to be like lighting up the world and going deep and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it'll be a different story next year. And then next year you'll also have Shane Wright and he'll have to go through those same growing pains. It's it's yep. just the natural progression. Go look up uh, Sidney Crosby, Jonathan Taze, any of these guys. Patrice Bergeron, right? Face-off king, all that stuff. Go look at their first two, three seasons in the NHL. None of them were that great at face-offs the way that they became later on um it's just the way things go uh let's see here um the maddie line has been focused on defense this series so far and have been doing it well from light Ag agreed to a large extent there and they, there is times where they get it in deep in the offensive zone it just feels like they haven't been able to get that cycle going at all they haven't been able mm -hmm. to kind of build that pressure that the kraken like to build in yeah. the offensive zone a couple more things on the chat from recently because I'm trying to pull it because there's people kind of chiming in on the face-off yeah. conversation. Uh, Vihar-N, Colorado's face-off percentage is only slightly better than Seattle's overall. And it's true. The Avs actually are not a very good face-off team this season. In a lot of ways, this this series could kind of look like a mirror match from the from just the basic numbers. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're eating Seattle alive on, on the draws there. And then Ty pointing out three goals off the face-offs. That is the issue. No concern whatsoever on percentage. And yeah, we pointed this out earlier too. Like not all face-offs are equal in importance. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of variance as far as, you know, the importance of, of certain draws versus others. So I, I wish there was some place that just easily broke down like offensive zone, defensive zone, neutral zone face-offs. If there is, let us know in chat. Yeah. Um, cause I'm not aware of one, but that would be a lot more important to me. There's other factors too, like time of the game and, you know, coming off a of TV timeout, stuff like that, that I would like mm -hmm. to see, but just getting that simple breakdown of, of what zone it's in or what face off dot even specifically, that'd be right. a really cool breakdown to have on a graphic on, on a ring. Yeah. Um, if anyone knows of anything, let us know. Yeah. And, and then it's also, it's not falling into the trap of kind of like on that, on that game winning goal from Devon Taves. Uh, don't fall into that trap of getting engaged physically uh, and, and don't let mm -hmm. them tie you up, especially if you're a defenseman or the center in that situation. And on the flip side, see if there's a way you can do that. Next time you got the Kraken have an offensive zone draw, I'd love to see someone just totally go after Devon Taves, completely get him focused on them and take him out of the play. 
Like that would be fantastic. And I got to think that a turbo would be willing to do that. Or, you know, Yanni Gord would be willing to try to tie up Nathan McKinnon. You know what I mean? In the defensive zone and, and take him out of a play while the rest of the guys get to work. I think on that Yanni Gord line, that could be really special. If you you're able to win a draw, take Nathan McKinnon out of it with Yanni Gord, maybe a Bjorkstrand or a Dunn say gets it over to Tolvanen for a one-timer or something. I don't know. That, that sounds like a nice draw play to me. Um, but I, I would be interested in something like that. You're you've got your research face on. What's going on? Yes. So uh, Vaharen said there's a face-off percentages report on the NHL stats page. Uh, so I'm looking at that, and they have it. I, I just got here, so I'm looking at playoffs. Okay. And they have it by zone, offensive zone, neutral zone, defensive zone. I love it for individual games. Maybe that's there, and I just can't find it yet. But thank you, Vaharen, for pointing this out. Uh, the Kraken rank D zone face-off win percentage of the 16 playoff teams they rank 11th at 47.7 percent i thought it would be lower personally um they're actually the worst in the neutral zone huh that that okay. doesn't fit my uh you know what i would have expected <laughs> yeah no <laughs> that does not give us any sort of uh yeah confirmation bias or anything there um is that are you looking at like regular season numbers or just from no like, these are playoffs this... these so are just only... through two playoff games Oh, okay. It's but it's got both games. It's not just a one. Yeah, it's got both games through two okay. playoff games. Yes. So okay. yeah, but I, I would have. I just would have thought it would be different. Um, crack at regular season. Crack and rank twenty seventh out of thirty two teams in D zone faceoff win percentage. Mm -hmm. And they rank dead last in offensive zone faceoff win percentage. That I so there you that go. I believe. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. I right. believe. Well, thank you, Viren, uh, for sending us down that route. Definitely. Hole. <laughs> Definitely. No, it's something good, and we'll keep track of that as the games go on as well. Um, interesting. This is from James. Interesting that you don't think Maddie has been that gas for the line, uh, the first line. I seriously feel like Maddie has just been well aware that the abs are out for his head per his experienced teammates. I'm just happy he hasn't been hit that hard yet. Seems he knows it's coming. I think that there's an element of that. Like I said, he, he doesn't seem like he's, you know, kind of as. I don't want to say reckless, but as as aggressive getting into some of those board battles and then some of those same situations. So I do think that Maddie is aware of that. That being said, with the whole Josh Manson thing earlier in this one, I know Vince Dunn came to his defense. Maddie did a great job of just kind of shrugging through all that, not letting it bother him and even giving, you know, enough of a response to Manson that Manson was kind of leaving Maddie at that point anyway. Right. Maddie kind of jumped back into that scrum a little bit. I mean, he's determined not to be messed with. And I, I think that's exactly what you want to see from, from the rookie. You want to see the teammates standing up, number one, and you want to see Maddie pushing back, number two. And, and you check both of those boxes. I was just really happy to see kind of how that whole thing went. Um, mm -hmm. That's just that's a really good sign for me. Yes. And uh, I see it here from Dan. We need someone to deck Manson. Hate that guy. That's what he wants. All right. I've talked about Manson in the playoff preview. I talked about him last game. I'll talk about him again here. I don't know why I care so much about Josh Manson, RJ, other than I liked him <laughs> when he was a duck. Uh, the bottom line, though, is he's going to play the least amount of minutes on this Colorado blue line. And he is there for that exact reason, because he's going to go after the top guys and try to get them to draw a penalty, try to draw a penalty from somebody responding or try to get somebody like a Jared McCann or a Vince Dunn off the ice by getting into a fight with him because that's a good trade-off for the Avalanche. So the best thing possible is to have no one engage with Josh Manson because when Josh Manson just plays hockey, he takes penalties, which he has done in each of these first two games. So I actually think the best thing for the Kraken to do is just ignore Josh Manson. He'll get more and more frustrated. Maybe he'll start taking two penalties a game instead of just one. 
I'm with you, Dylan. Game one, he took two penalties. He took uh, a dumb penalty earlier in this game, too. I remember last post game, you said he's good for at least one dumb penalty a game. He is. And uh, yeah, filled the quota tonight. Yep. And if he's only going to play 12 minutes a night and you're getting him, you know, then to take a penalty in that amount of ice time, like good, you know, again, he's a, he's a liability to Colorado. Let's not waste our time with him. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, wait until the series is wrapped up, then go after him all you want. Let it all out at that point. Uh, <laughs> um, so I've seen, I've seen a couple, you know, a lot of stuff all sprinkled out, uh, chat here, RJ, people concerned with the Kraken coming home, just because the home record this year has been what it is. We all know that if you factor, you know, the fact that, uh, overtime losses are still kind of losses, they've lost more at home. Uh, it's just the reality of the situation. Um, what do you think that the Kraken are going to look like coming home? Because I felt like the home thing was getting a little bit better late in the season. I think you throw out that last game against Vegas because everybody was focused on the playoffs. But I felt like those, you know, playing those those like uh, Coyotes games and stuff, it kind of helped change the perception of the Kraken playing at CPA. It's improving and they were kind of building momentum off of playing teams that maybe were not very good. Uh, and I, I think, but Hey, I think it was momentum that they were able to carry into this playoff series with Colorado. And so I, I guess what gives me hope is that um, the Kraken were able to come out game one and do something that generally they, they weren't able to do. I mean, they beat a playoff team in regulation uh, for the first time since January. Uh, they showed they can do it. I know that's crazy to talk about, it's but, and, and, and for, yeah, and for the first time ever, they beat a team after a four-plus-day break. So uh, they they look different. You know, they, they look confident and they look emboldened in the series with the Abs. And I guess that's what gives me confidence. You know, on, on the other hand, yeah, I am I am a little worried about it just because I haven't uh, I haven't witnessed a, a Kraken win at home against a playoff team since January. I generally go into those games to go cover them. I can kind of get the answer. Okay. Are they playing a playoff team? Well, well, that's the answer to, will they win tonight? And it's generally no. Um, so, uh, but I, I think this series, the Kraken have shown a different side to their game. Um, they've stepped up a, as it's been needed. So uh, I'm feeling okay about it. Yeah. I feel pretty good about it. I think it's, you know, the winds of change are blowing. I really do. I, I feel very good about this. Um, again, it's kind of similar to Colorado. I would take a 1-1 split for those two games at CPA. I really would. I would then, too. Then you're getting two road games. You know, two of the last three are going to be road games for you. I trust the Kraken in that situation. I, I think a 1-1 split would be just fine for the Kraken. I really do. It would not bother me at all. Um, Habak, it could be worse for us. We could be the Devils down 0-2 in their series, heading to Madison Square Garden after being outscored 10-2 at home. I don't think the playoffs have started worse for any team than the New Jersey Devils, RJ. It's it's pretty bad to drop those two at home and, and both of those games convincingly. That that could be a short series. Thankfully, I don't have too far to go for those road trips, about a half hour drive from one place to the other. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Reading ID. For the first time ever, I don't think I noticed the board ads once. Playoff hyper-focus mode engaged. How about you, RJ? How you doing with them? I've noticed them less because yes, I am hyper-focused uh, on the playoff game and there's, there's so much going on at the beer hall too. Yeah. I can't, I can't focus on the ad. So there you go, Dylan, you, you win this round. There we go. I love it. You what and your you buddy, mean? Gary get to celebrate your victory. Say, you say I won this round. I won this round alongside Gary Bettman and corporate greed. <laughs> 
Enjoy, enjoy being in that camp for the victory parade. What company I keep. <laughs> it's a good thing I have Afra around to balance it all out and make me likable. Um, Sean, Seattle is a hockey town and has been for more than 100 years. Seattle uh, Saturday is going to be epic. It's going to be super epic. I am very intrigued, RJ, to see what the Kraken have in store for their first ever home playoff game uh, in this situation because there is a lot of history that you can reference back to to talk about this. I, I mean, I am fascinated. Do you know anything? I, I, or I don't know if you could say anything if you did, but. Okay, I, I, I do know something. I certainly don't know everything. I've okay. heard a few things through the grapevine, as one does when you're in my uh -huh. position. I can't say anything. Sorry, guys. I it it'll be better as a surprise. Trust me. Um, so yeah, but it, it's it's gonna be great. You're you're gonna want to be there. It, you know, if you if you can get to that building at all, you're gonna want to be there. They're also gonna have their like plaza party thing outside too. There's gonna be a whole event outside Climate Pledge Arena. So you know, go to that too. Mm -hmm. I mean, go to the beer hall. There's so many great places you can go. But definitely, it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty cool game experience. I, Dylan, is it Saturday yet? <laughs> I just want it to be Saturday. Can I can I go to the game right now? No, but it's almost Friday. If that helps. That is true. Uh, yeah. All right. Only an hour and a half till Friday. Uh, so there is that. Uh, yes, I've already heard people talking about parking's going to be a nightmare down there. A lot of people going down early. Everybody, make sure to plan accordingly. Whatever you know, transit travel options you need uh, to do. So definitely make sure you all get that done. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait. I, I, I have a lot of ideas of what I would do. And you know what, Kraken, they've done a really good job throughout all the big moments in their franchise history at Climate Pledge Arena, getting things going and getting people pumped. So I, I think it's going to be good. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Wendy, uh, we go home with one, which is what we wanted going in. But now the national media is noticing us. I think we earn much respect in just two games. I agree with that. I mean, it's it's nice. I think it's a real shame that we have to play on the same night as Toronto, especially when Toronto is just going to have every game be some massive blowout swing in one direction or another because uh, it sucks up a lot of the media attention. Uh, but I still think people... I mean, they're they're already talking about the Kraken more. They're noticing the fact that, wow, they have four lines and each one of them has a 20 goal scorer on them. Like things like that, that it's like, yeah, we've been telling you this for months. Um, but it, it's <laughs> it's nice to finally get that that uh, recognition. Yeah, and, and it'll keep building. And uh, yeah, it sucks to have to play on the same night as Toronto. You're always going to be second fiddle in the, in the NHL media landscape story, but they've earned a lot of respect. So I've, I've actually, I've got uh, an update here, got on, on Kissgate, you know, with the Tanev thing and the mm -hmm, fans from mm -hmm. Kate Shefty. All right, um, let's go. So as promised, she's reporting back on Kissgate. Um, she, the question was, you know, asking Tanev, was that in response to anything? No. Fans weren't jeering you or anything? No. So there you go. Tanev shuts it down. I, I, mean, I don't know that that's, that's true. That's not but true. We'll, you know. You can never trust the hockey players when they talk to the media in these situations. You know this is the media, RJ. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know if I'd say that. But that's I know, I know. I'm just kidding. But it is one of those. Like if it was, he, he's not going to say that because you know what. Bottom line is, you got it. There's going to be a game five now. We know that definitively. So they're going to be yeah. going back to Colorado at least one more time. Uh, so you can't you can't give the other side that kind of ammunition. You can't give that fan base and that crowd um, that stuff. I do like the follow up though. 
Like, yeah. Like, are you trying sure? To, yeah. <laughs> yep. Kate's good with that. I knew she wasn't just going to leave that that first one. She would, she would try and yep. get something. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Scott, Avs had some early cheap shots. If that's what they think it'll take to win, we're already in their heads. I think, yeah, I mean, the Avalanche, they didn't really know how to start this game. Seattle started off hot, and they that confused them, and it worried them, and they didn't really know what to do, and they were just trying to survive. Um, and again, I, it's just, I love the fact that the Kraken are starting games like that. Yeah, it, it, it's good starts, and it bad starts been a problem for the Kraken at times over the last couple of years. And having you know these consistently good starts over two games, I it's nice to see. I'm not quite used to it. It's a little surprising to me still. Um, but yeah, the abs uh, like you've been on Kraken have been on the wrong end of it so many times. I, I know what that feels like, but uh, yeah, that's what the abs were going through. Yeah, um, Rebecca, wasn't it the first ever Kraken win that Turbo pulled the kiss Selly in Nashville? Was that that was game? It that one? I thought that came. I know he scored game. an amazing goal, a highlight reel goal in the, one of the early Columbus games. I think mm -hmm. it was. But hmm. I gotta go back and look at that. I don't know. That's Feels like so long ago, doesn't it, Dylan? It because it was. Um, it's oh, been yeah. a lot of a lot of cracking games in between. <laughs> that we've been watching and paying attention to uh but that's a good pull rebecca definitely i'll give rj some time there and i'll uh, i'll have ty here give us the whl update portland was swept by cam loops 10 to 4 loss tonight seattle uh swept and is heading to the western conference finals going to be epic series but i'll say it go t-birds wow we got ty on board everybody with the thunderbirds um it's going nice to, oh my gosh that series is going to be ridiculous what a time for hockey in Seattle. I mean, this yeah. is just incredible. With the, with the Kraken yeah. doing what they're doing, about to come home, the T-Birds doing what they're doing. I mean, I don't I don't know if anything can stop that team right now. They are so stacked. I get out to see all the hockey you can this yeah. spring. Just just go to every game that you have a chance to. I was just going to say if you get priced out of CPA, which I totally understand, um check a lot of try, people try, do. <laughs> yeah, check out those Thunderbirds playoff games because you're going to see a ton of future NHL stars in those games and I promise you it's going to be a crazy crazy uh series. Yeah. And I had the chance to talk with some of the people who were with the Kraken because a lot of some Kraken representatives kind of came to the beer hall, uh you know, like the fan outreach stuff. And and one of the things that they really drove over to me too was just how important it is to them to see that they're helping and supporting these junior teams that exist in the market. Like mm -hmm. it can be easy to kind of come in as an NHL team and be like, Oh, you know, we're the flashy new thing. And everyone yeah. kind of averts their gaze from, from the junior teams and, and watches what the Kraken are doing, but it's so important to the people with the Kraken that like it continues to be this great junior hockey market that existed well before the Kraken arrived. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they want to do all that they can to encourage people to, to get involved with that as well, like they have been. So I just remember that's something that we talked about tonight. Uh, I talked about with some of the Kraken people tonight. So it coming up here, that's very important. Um, so, yeah, just want to encourage everybody. Go, go support your, your local uh, junior team. Like it's, it's so important in this market. Yeah, and the community has. I mean, I'm always shocked how many people are talking in the Discord, in the CHL section, in the dub, the name of the channel there. Um, and and a lot of those are names that, you know, knew hockey and knew junior hockey beforehand, but a lot of them are names that were new to hockey with the Kraken. And now here they are, not just invested in the Kraken, but also invested in those major junior teams. And in that, you know, it's still really high-level, good Pacific Northwest hockey. And I love to see it. And yeah, Kraken have done a great job. I mean, for crying out loud, they gave their jersey template to the Portland Winterhawks. So, you know, 
Kraken really <laughs> doing all that they can. Yeah. There you go, everybody. Uh, I took a shot at my former employer. Leave me alone. About um, time. <laughs> uh, Ty, Sprong looks frazzled in the playoffs. He's mishandling the puck and throwing more body than normal. All he needs is one breakout opportunity. He'll be back on the Raider going, uh, going to lose it. I, I just think whatever injury it is, he doesn't look as fast. It's the skating to me that looks off for him, and that's a big part of how dynamic he is. Yeah, it really is. And um, uh, yeah, he's just, he doesn't seem quite like himself. And it, that's, this is a very common thing you'll see in the playoffs. Like I watched yeah. a playoff hockey over the years where you'll look at players and like, that's just not, it's not them. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like them. And, and that's usually what it is, is an injury. And at least with Sprong too, we know there was something already existing there. Um, so again, hope he's able to kind of work through it. And uh, he is a very confidence based player. I feel like he's, he's a very momentum driven player. Yeah. If he just has one shot that, that goes bar down and in or something, he might be back to his old self. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, AK, hey, we're not blown out like the lightning when the Leafs came back and made a statement. Even the Jets lost by a few. Avs had one great minute that gave them some steam. We can still take this. Absolutely. No, we're in a fantastic we're in fantastic shape coming home. Uh, yeah, we really are. I, I want to read this from from absurdly saying, "Lol, I've gone from no hockey to Kraken, Firebirds, Mavs, Battalion, Warriors, and two Swedish teams in two years." love to hear that's that's what it's all it's, about oh it makes my heart so happy to, to when people talk about stuff like that it really does i love it so much um uh mrm i don't know where the narrative of face-offs don't matter came from constantly losing face-offs has to be so demoralizing and just kill momentum right it does and as we talked about already three of the four abs goals have come off a of face-off so they, they they definitely matter they do yeah matter. and where it comes from i think is some of the the advanced stats stuff that shows there's no real correlation between face-off percentage and wins so that's that's kind of where it originates but i think any team worth their salt and even you know analytics people they'll separate it into the face-offs that are high leverage like we talked about and i think those really do matter but just overall face-off percentage i guess is just not the best stat yeah. Daniel, I thought we looked better at four on four this game than we have all year, wondering if they worked on it. Uh, did they work on that for any of those practices before the, the series began, RJ? Sorry, four on four, you asked? Yeah. No, uh, they, they really don't get much four on four work, and it is such a rare part of the game. It doesn't happen a whole lot. They don't really practice it. They, they just devote that time to kind of special, to, you know, power play, PK, and at five on five. Yeah, then and six you know, on five actually they worked on that. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Then uh, I think you know maybe it's just like the broadcast said because Kale McCarr wasn't out there. It favored the Kraken, so I was like, "All right, <laughs> I, okay. I don't know about that." Kraken are a five on five team. That's it. That's what they do. <laughs> they, they win yeah. everything five on five. The rest is shaky. <laughs> um. Well, here you go, RJ, uh, from Ty. RJ nailed exactly my thoughts. So take that for what you will. It's coming from Ty, RJ. Oh, that's uh, right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Ty. Um, Sean, 92 in live chat, but only six likes on this stream. Come on, folks. Let's show our support for ECH with a simple like. Uh, Ty, I show 57 likes. Jay, I see 53. I will say this, everybody. The likes stay with whatever you entered the stream with. So if you yep. entered a little bit later, you like see a, a lot more likes. That is that is the way it works there. But I appreciate everybody looking out for us for sure. Uh, we'll do a quick last call here. 
uh assuming chat's still working for me and i'm down at the bottom here i'll do a quick last call but otherwise i mean you know yeah they lost rj and that's you know it sucks or whatever but i still feel really really positive about all this i think we finally seen the avs be the avs team that you know at least i was worried about uh and the kraken found a way to yeah it hurts you for a little while but they found a way to to deal with it uh and that's a big deal for me yeah they stepped up and, and they responded and they didn't let the momentum carry out of control and i think through the first two games, you're looking at these teams really going at each other on an even footing. And that's really what we hoped for going into this series. When you're playing the defending champs, you never know what it's going to be like. Uh, but I, I think the Kraken have a lot of reasons to be confident coming back home. And we know one thing for absolute sure, the crowd's going to be behind them. Uh, everyone's going to be at Climate Pledge getting loud and, and creating the best atmosphere that building I think has maybe ever seen. Yeah, definitely. And I know somebody said it earlier in the chat, like, you know, it wasn't a back and forth third period because the Avs had a lot more shots and stuff in there. Um, but it, I'm looking at Money Puck right now, like the Avs had a lot more shots, but really the expected goals situation from both of those stayed very, very even up until just a couple of chances, including that goal from Devon Taves. So I, I still think even though the, the shot total numbers weren't uh, maybe all that close in the third period, um, I still think that the, the Kraken were doing a good job of making the chances that they got count and limiting a lot of those um, avalanche chances to some, you know, not great. Um, what was uh, Grubauer's uh, goals saved above expected number from tonight? For some reason on Money uh, Puck, none of the Kraken stats are loading. Uh, let's see. It was uh, minus 0 0.19, so just about even. Yeah, so, well, that passes the eye test for me. I mean, he, he looked great again tonight. Like I said, 927 or 21 save percentage, whatever it was, I'll take that every day of the week. Yeah, he gave them a chance to win. Like, that's all you can hope for. He, he, he didn't sink them at all. You know, nothing super soft. So, yeah, 2.8 expected goals against, three actual goals against. You know, that, that's yeah. fair. If, if you just yeah. get fair goaltending, you should be all right. Exactly. Good night, everybody uh, is is hopping out of here. Uh, I'm liking the, the people who aren't worried like Jay. I like Habak. I want chaos hockey on Saturday. You probably do too, RJ. That would be a lot of fun. It, it would be. I don't know if I can handle that right off the bat, but uh, yeah, that, that'd be pretty fun. You, you can do it. And uh, Jay reminded everybody be loud on Saturday. Don't give those Colorado posers a second to relax. Definitely. I, I oh, man, and it's going to be loud. I, like I said, RJ, bring your plugs. It's the only thing I can recommend. Oh, we'll, we'll do <laughs> noise canceling headphones, something in the back pocket. Yeah, just in case, because I think I might need them. Yep. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this uh, second ever playoff post game live. Uh, really appreciate it. Really appreciate Queen Anne Beer Hall. All the good stuff going on there. Got to imagine that'll be a big happening place too for anybody who's not able to get into CPA on Saturday. And yeah, just can't wait for that Seattle Kraken playoff hockey in Seattle. Let's go. Oh, I love it. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for being here, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>